We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Offsets it a little bit to the left. 11 yards shy of the record. Williams breaks a hole. Williams, hello, record book. Ricky Williams runs to the Hall of Fame. Touchback. Ricky Williams, touchdown. Gun from the shotgun. Back to throw. Vince Woods, under pressure. He'll tuck it in run. Vince to the five. Young, touchdown, Texas. Touchdown, Vince Young. He's done it again. Longhorn Nation. We're back! Hello and welcome back to the Longhorns Country Podcast. This is Matt Galatson. I am your host. And today I am joined for the third time now, I think, by uh, my friend John Garcia, the Sports Illustrated recruiting guru. Uh, John, how's it going? It's going well. We've got football seemingly every day, so not, not a much better time of year than this one. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, you know, watching all the high school games on ESPN just put a smile on my face this past week. Uh, football is back. Um, college football starts next weekend. Uh, Texas will kick off against Louisiana. Um, and we're just going to hit the ground rolling. Uh, it's really the best time of the year. But, you know, in, in preparation for that game, uh, Steve Sarkeesian eventually had to name his starting quarterback. So the big news out of Austin this week is Hudson Carter is the starter. He announced it on Friday, or he didn't announce it on Friday, I should say. He uh, Chip Brown of twenty four seven Sports um, first reported that that uh, that Card was going to be the starter. Uh, LonghornsCountry.com uh, had reported the day before that that's the way that Sarkeesian was leaning. Um, and that ended up to be true. So, uh, John, just tell us a little bit about Sark's decision to start card and what Longhorns fans, you know, are going to be seeing on the field. Well, this is a great athlete first and foremost. And I think that creates a negative connotation to quarterbacking and throwing the football, but really it shouldn't. Um, in this day and age, you need a quarterback, a leader who can make plays with his legs. And it just, it doesn't mean as a runner necessarily. Sure, we expect Hudson Card to scramble and, and move the chains, what have you. But really, being an athletic quarterback now means a lot of things. It means feeling out the defensive line when, when the pocket is collapsing. It means extending the pocket to give your receivers a little bit more time, which is something that I think Texas might need in this 2021 season as that group sort of uh, gains valuable experience. Um, and then, of course, it goes to... I don't know how well you can throw the football on the run, which is, I think, a major strength 
of Hudson cards. Uh, so I think an athlete, an athlete playing quarterback has a negative connotation, but it shouldn't in this sense. Um, and then when it comes to his actual, you know, quarterbacking career, this is only the fourth year in a row that Hudson has been extremely focused and solely focused on that position. You know, you go back to his high school days at Lake Travis, which anybody who likes football understands what that school has done. I mean, that, that may be the school for quarterbacks nationally. I think South Lake Carroll, modern day, I guess IMG by default are going to start to creep into that conversation. If we're talking about, you know, we, we always talk about wide receiver, you running back, you, et cetera. But if you go to quarterback high, running back high, et cetera, I think Lake Travis is probably the one seed for quarterback high. Um, when he first broke out, he was a receiver. He had a thousand yards as a receiver. And then after that, he'd have 20 touchdowns as a, a running quarterback. He had 80 more passing. So it's not like this was some kind of triple option or downhill spread power attack. No, this was a true wide open offense that Hudson Carr took advantage of in very different ways throughout his high school career. But when it comes to his quarterbacking, there is a lot to like here. First of all, the decision-making you would guess that he's much more experienced at the position than, than what he actually is. You know, he doesn't force the football. He doesn't take a lot of risks down the football field from our limited sample in his Texas career and including the spring game, which I took another look at this morning. Not a whole lot of questionable decision-making on Hudson's case. I think that's a good thing in a Steve Sarkeesian offense. Um, and obviously in what we haven't seen, which is the majority of practices, reps, all of that, as well as, you know, picking up the offense in the quarterback rooms, one-on-one -on -one with Sark, et cetera. Obviously this is Sarkeesian telling us that he is leading the pack there as well. Um, so I think mentally he's getting the benefit of the doubt and he should based on what he's done internally at UT, um, both, both in the spring and certainly in the fall. Um, but from a physical standpoint, there are a lot of tools there, and including a good enough arm to challenge the defense to all three levels. So if you if you put everything together and you think of Steve Sarkeesian as a play caller, you think of Hudson Card as an athletic quarterback who can challenge the defense both vertically and horizontally with his arm and his legs, now you're maximizing your potential to make plays. Uh, and I think that's part of the reason why Card is the guy. We all know Sarkeesian is known for developing quarterbacks. Um, and obviously his system has been implemented now for, you know, eight, nine months and him picking card tells you that he's a little bit more ahead uh, compared to, to Casey Thompson. So you've got to, again, create a benefit of the doubt mentally with Hudson card as much as you like him physically. And again, there is a lot to like physically when it comes to scheme and when it comes to the intangibles, which is, is really the formula for a big time quarterback at a big time school. Yeah, and, you know, uh, we saw Casey Thompson come out against uh, Colorado for Sam Ellinger when Ellinger went down, and he put on a show, uh, 8 of 10 for 170 yards, I think, and, and like three or four touchdowns. Um, but that was, you know, we talked about this, I think the last time you were on, that was in a different system, that was with a different coach. So when Sarkeesian got here, it was a clean slate for both guys. And, um, you know, we saw in the spring game, there was one throw in particular from – from card in the spring game where I was just like, wow. And it was that one where he, uh, he threw open his receiver in the end zone. I can't remember which receiver it was right now, but 
I will not forget that throw because it was the most impressive throw I saw all day. And after that, I was kind of like, I I think everybody assumed that Thompson was just going to be the guy because of what he did in in the Alamo Bowl. But after I saw that throw, I was just kind of like, you know what? This this kid might actually be able to steal this job from Thompson, you know, from right out under Thompson. He's got, it's the clean slate. So there's, they were on even footing at that point. And then throughout the summer, obviously he worked on, you know, uh, he worked on the, he worked in the film room. He, he started learning Sarkeesian system. And then this in, uh, in camp this fall, he just separated himself, um, you know, towards the last couple of weeks, uh, he was getting all the reps with the first team and, and Thompson, was actually uh, he was actually taking splitting second team reps with uh, I think it was Charles Wright, the true freshman. So um, from that point on, you kind of figured it was going to be card. But um, you know, it's 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 also a pretty cool story for Texas because it's the second straight Austin native that's going to be the starter for them under center after Ellinger. So um, I think there's a lot to be excited about there. But I guess my question for you is. How long will it take Card to because because for, for freshmen getting their first real college experience, it's it's the speed of the game is is very fast and it takes some time to adjust. How long before we can see him really start to thrive in Sarkeesian's offense, do you think? Well, I think you got to look at the schedule, right? Um, it's not easy for Texas out of the gate, which is another to me, this is another indicator as to how much Sark trusts him to to go with him a week before game one and, and really a tough schedule early opening up with Louisiana and Arkansas from an athletic standpoint. And it's really, it's really twofold with Louisiana, any big time G five school, what are you going to get? You're going to get experience. You're going to get guys in their twenties, as opposed to, you know, great athletes in their teens making plays for you. So there's going to be a more veteran complexity that Louisiana can potentially come out with defensively right out of the gate uh, against Card. So what that tells me is that Sark thinks Card is just better prepared to handle those things. Again, how much of that taps into his athleticism? How much of that taps into understanding the scheme? But I also think Sarkeesian can kind of scheme him, scheme him up, you know, uh, give him some easy throws to ease into some of these games. Um, remember, this Sarkeesian offense features uh, from what the, what we've seen the last few years at Alabama uh, most recently it features a lot of motion it features guy ways to get your best players the football obviously that means B. John Robinson first and foremost uh, and I think that will be a big part of it I mean if you think of a, a back who can catch passes out of the backfield despite being bigger just look what they did last year with Najee Harris at Alabama um, I don't know the receiving numbers off the top of my head but he had considerable receiving you know, catches, yards, and touchdowns over the last two years. I remember against LSU in the shootout against Joe Burrow. I mean, Najee Harris had like three receiving touchdowns, uh, including some one-on-one stuff against first-round linebackers. So Bijan Robinson has some of those same traits. So you expect Sarkeesian to, to feature him in the passing game, which is always very, very quarterback-friendly. So I think some of those elements will help ease um, card into the conversation, uh, even against a more complex veteran defense like Louisiana will trot out uh, next weekend. So, and then you get into game two and it's it's more conventional SEC, 
bigger, younger, more talented athletes against Arkansas. And I think that's where you can really start to see game two, I would expect a natural progression for Carr. I think the defense will slow down from that Arkansas perspective. I think having that full game against Louisiana under his belt will really help him to, to relax and kind of refocus and, and focus on pushing the ball down the field a little bit more. It doesn't mean you won't get some of those same easy completions to get you going. You always want that. Um, but I do think once you settle in after game one, you take those hits, you get through what, what, you know, what probably should be a win for Texas week one, although obviously Louisiana is, is ranked and is going to be as well coached and veteran laden as any program in the country. Talent wise, it should be a win for Texas. Um, now the confidence grows. Now, now everything starts to feel like you're rolling downhill a, a little bit. Um, and, and card covering him as a prospect isn't lacking confidence. Um, he knows his ability. He trusts that ability. Um, so I think I think by game two, adjusting at halftime against Arkansas, again, theoretically with, with a slight lead, should really start to, to allow Card to start to open things up. Because this isn't a, a quick turnaround. This isn't a kid who was thrown into the fire as a backup or who wasn't getting all of the first team reps. No, this is first team reps for a while, which you've reported. And now he's continued to separate himself from the rest of the pack. And we're going on eight, nine months of this. And as we go into the season, it's all about that QB1, especially when it's a new QB1. But but really, all of this is new for Sarkeesian and company. So uh, I thought the, the layup of Casey Thompson being the guy because of what he did last year was kind of voided out because you're changing in coaching staffs. So again, I think all of this is indicative of, of Sarkeesian, and I think really by game two, we should start to see the clear reasons why he was QB1. Um, I expect some lumps. I expect some, some turnovers. I expect some mistakes, of course. But when you put everything together, I think September into October, Card's really going to open this thing up and make a lot of Longhorn fans happy. Yeah, and um, I think one of the interesting things to watch is, is actually – what happens with Casey Thompson, because, I mean, he's going to get some reps on the field against Louisiana. Uh, you know, he, he's going to play a little bit. The card is the starter. Um, and I think, you know, kind of like you said, he's going to start to separate himself as the year goes on and there won't be any more of that, uh, of, of Thompson getting those reps. I think, you know, it's, it's just going to go a hundred percent cards way, but in today's college football, once a quarterback is named a starter, typically the backup transfers. Um, and that's just how it's, that's just what it's become. Um, and that's fine. Those kids deserve a chance to, to, to go find somewhere to play. Um, it happened at Texas with the last, with the last quarterback, Sam Ellinger, he beat Shane Bouchelle for the job and Bouchelle transferred to SMU and had a great career at SMU. So, you know, what do you think happens with Thompson? Do you think he, he transfers? I mean, that, that seems to be the likely scenario, but, you know, um, we haven't heard that one way or the other. And if so, what, what are some possible destinations who could be uh, looking at Thompson, you know, in the transfer portal? Well, you know, let's give the season some time to marinate here. I, I think, like you said, card is QB1. I think that's pretty clear, but you know, what if, what if he doesn't open it up and, and make those strides a month from now that we expect him to make? I think, yeah, typically in, a, in a, an entrenched coaching staff, 
with tenure that has been there in a proven system at that school, yeah, I think this is around the time you would start to worry about QB2 looking around. But again, that's not the case with Texas. All of this is brand new. And like you said, if Thompson sees the field and Sark keeps him, for lack of a better term, happy, you know, how much can, how much of that can continue? Um, I think that's, that, that door is going to be relatively fluid in or out uh, for the next month, month plus. Now, a month from now, if Card is lighting it up, Texas is, is starting to pile on wins and this offense clicks sooner rather than later, yeah, I think we, we should probably start to think about Thompson departing, but I think it's a little too early to call that shot. But, but if it happens, there's still a lot to like with him as well. He's got a ton of eligibility remaining, which is really sort of focus one in the transfer portal. And, and we know everybody wants to build up that quarterback room. Everybody wants depth in the quarterback room. Um, and, and when you bring a big arm and athleticism like Thompson does, now it, it creates a different kind of value. So I, I think naturally you look to the G5 level or or you look at schools that, that are just kind of struggling, that need a dual threat quarterback. I think you look, if you're looking in conference, right, you, you go to the Kansases of the world, kind of always, um, you know, and obviously from a um, recruiting standpoint, you know, Kansas was, was in on Casey pretty early. They recruit the state of Texas very heavily, like, like pretty much the entire current Big 12 has to do. So you look there, uh, and then you look G5, you look elsewhere. Um, you look at you brought up SMU. I mean, they've got they've got Preston Stone coming in there as as the the most highly rated quarterback they've ever signed from from high school. But you never know how those things go. Um, but you you look at the the group of five route at your SMUs, your Memphises, um, your your UCFs. You know your schools like that who who have a a sustained success at that position um, and put up points because if 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 you want to see the field that, you know, that's obviously, that's obviously one thing, but if you're going to transfer quote unquote down to the G5 level or even the FCS level, you want to be able to light it up. Um, and, and quarterbacks in a spread offense, um, that there's always a value there. If they've got the skill set. Um, I, I don't know. I would think of Hugh freeze and Liberty after Malik Willis leaves this year, they've recruited well, but you know, do they have a quarterback as naturally talented as Casey Thompson on the roster in 2022, probably not. Um, you know, so you look at some some programs that have a reputation for moving the football and driving the football um, in need of of that quarterback position. So a lot of that is is clearly still to be determined in the next few months. But uh, I don't believe a kid like Thompson will have a lack of options. I think he would be able to. Um, get in the portal and get out, which is becoming kind of a rarity with, with the amount of hundreds of kids still in the portal, but that's a story for another day. Yeah. And there, there's also another angle to this that I think is kind of interesting. And, you know, card still has four years of eligibility. Um, he, he's, I mean, he, they get the COVID year extra. So he's going into the season as, as a freshman in um, eligibility terms. Let's say he comes in, and this is just a hypothetical, obviously, but like let's let's just say he comes in and completely lights it up. He's the next big thing in college football. Um, or he has like a season like Matt Corral had at Ole Miss last year where he just lit the world on fire. 
with a new system and a new play caller. Um, does Malik Murphy stick around or does he try to find somewhere else? Because if, if you're, if you have that kind of talent ahead of you on the depth chart, even if you're a highly touted guy like Murphy, who like, look, I love Malik Murphy's game. I'm very bullish on him. You know, this, I think he's severely underrated across the board. Um, partly due to, because, partly due to the fact that we haven't gotten to see him play a whole lot in games, but, and he doesn't have a lot of talent around him at, at his school, but either way, I'm very bullish on him. Um, but if, if, if card comes in and he just starts slinging the rock, does that deter Malik Murphy or make him think, Hey, you know, maybe I should keep my options open and look around. Or does he say, Hey, uh, I don't care. I'm going to go in here and compete because he is a competitor. We know that. Yeah. Well, you know, Murphy has already shown us in high school that he is willing to stick it out. Not many quarterbacks with his arm talent, size, athleticism would sit for two years, even behind another division one guy, which he did at Sarah high school. But, you know, the reason that we're talking about, Hey, we need to see Malik more is because he stuck at Sarah high school. He wanted to be there. Um, even though the path towards being the guy was going to have to wait until 2020. And then obviously COVID condensed season, spring season, all of that. Um, and now we're, we're still, I mean, Malik's like seven games into his starting career in high school. So now we're all backtracking relative to the other top quarterbacks at the high school level, because we just haven't seen him do it over a long enough period of time to, to feel 100% comfortable with him as a top, I don't know, three quarterback. I mean, he's still in the SI 99. We loved him at the elite 11. We love what he physically can do. Just need to see him do it more in high school, but he's already shown the ability to say, Hey, if, if this is where I want to be and I need to wait, fine. You know, we spoke to Malik uh, about a week and a half ago as, as his senior year was getting going. And in that blog that, that he wrote for, for SI All American, he said, I've always wanted to go to Sarah. And with recruiting, he's long been done with this process. He wants to build at Texas and with Sark. I'm not saying it's a lifelong dream for him to play at Texas, like it was for him to play at Sarah, but with the options he had and with the offers he had, Texas has been a dream for at least a year and he has not wavered once. So with his track record of being patient and his inexperience on his own end, I would actually think relative to the other elite quarterbacks in this class, I'm talking Drew Aller, Cade Klubnick, some of these, these elite arms and elite quarterbacks with tons of games under their belt, I think he is maybe the most built to sit, which is probably a term that or a phrase that no high school quarterback wants, but he's already kind of been there, done that. Now, so it's it's easy to think of him doing it again. And most, most high school quarterbacks understand that they might have to sit a year. So if Card lights it up in 2021 and 2022, which would be Malik's first year on campus, he could actually move on to the NFL, which is, I think, something that Malik Murphy would probably want at that point. Um, it's not a given, you know, but, you know, it's something that is possible. So if he lights it up to the nth degree over the next two years, he probably will 
leave for the NFL. It's just the nature of the game. You want to get there as soon as possible, even without a ton of experience. Look at Trey Lance, you know, going number three overall to the 49ers with, I don't know the number, but, you know, not a lot of college starts under his belt and almost a year in between college starts on top of that. So the nature of that position says go as soon as you can and wait at least a year if you're the new guy. So in this scenario, the more card lights it up, the more likely he's gone after 2022 anyway. But if there's kind of an up and downness there, and but he's still QB1 and, and a solid QB1, then it becomes how patient is Malik Murphy going to be? But um, Steve Sarkeesian will, will tell you, we're going to worry about one year at a time, but, but, you know, it's certainly in this climate, something that should be talked about um, on outlets like this, you know, when, at what point do you start to worry about the future of, of Malik Murphy? I don't think, I don't think there's a number or a stat that Carr can get to this year that makes Murphy worried about whether or not he wants to go to Texas. Um, and that's really the next step. You sign the kid in December and you go from there. And I think, there would be a major upset if that weren't the case with Murphy. Yeah. Uh, I, look, I, th I think that Malik Murphy is going to be an absolute star. Uh, I think he's a stud. Um, he's got a great personality. Um, other recruits love him. Uh, he's, he's, he's one of the more um, enjoyable recruits that I've covered in my short time, uh, short time doing this so far. And I, I, I do think he, he would relish that opportunity too. Like you said, I, I think that he not only is, is built to wait, as you said, or built to sit, but I think he's just a competitor. And I, I, I don't think he's afraid of things like that. Um, so that'll be interesting to watch going forward. And before we move on to our, our next, we're going to kind of change gears and go into recruiting here a little bit. But before we do that, um, there's not a lot of people like that are listening to this podcast right now in particular, probably that have actually seen card play. Um, I mean, they, you know, you get a glimpse in the, uh, the spring game, but they haven't seen him play a full game yet. Um, you know, high school games are nationally televised now, but you know, even a couple of years ago when card was coming out that, you know, late traps isn't on TV every day. So can you kind of give us a comparison your, or your best, chance or best uh, guess at a comparison for the kind of card player is to, you know, maybe another college football star or NFL guy, something like that. Yeah, that's a good question, Matt. Um, you know, I, I think, I think you got to go back to, to the athleticism and how it combines with the decision-making in the arm. Um, I think in college football, I would think of a guy maybe like, um, like a smaller, more athletic Max Dugan, I mean, think of TCU right now. I mean, Dugan is, is, is very similar to Card in, in that he really threatens a defense more than his presentation uh, suggests, if that's the right way to say it. Um, now, I think, I think that's, that's something comparable. Dugan's a much bigger, more physical kid and not as swift as a Hudson Card, but, but that's somewhere I would go with it uh, on the collegiate level. On the NFL level, I think I would expand it a little bit in terms of the type of quarterback he can be. Um, I think he's got, he's got the potential to be kind of a gunslinger. 
Um, he's got a quick trigger. And again, that, that athleticism is going to allow him to buy time for his guys. Um, so when you're making that, that crazy <laughs> projection to the next level, to the highest level, um, I should say, it really opens up, you know, it opens up the possibilities to where, to where you can kind of place a guy uh, like Hudson Carr. Now, I was around him a lot in high school, particularly the summer leading into his senior year, and guys galvanized around him. I remember at the opening, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a quick roster build. It's like seven on seven, here are your guys, go play games. He had a lot of kids, you know, kind of hyped up, kind of showing energy that he kind of initiated. Um, and, and it reminded me, it reminded me of a lot of guys, but when you, when you throw in the athleticism and the actual skill set, as I stall here trying to figure out which NFL guy, I, I don't want to, I don't want to go Matt Stafford um, because Matt Stafford's arm is massive, right? I mean, this is, that's a top five arm in the world today. But when I think about a guy who's a better athlete than given credit for, uh, who could extend plays with his, his arm and his legs, I mean, I'm somewhere in the Ryan Fitzpatrick, young Ryan Fitzpatrick, Matt Stafford, gunslinger, have fun kind of mentality when I think of a Hudson card. So I'm somewhere in that ballpark, Matt, if, if that makes sense. But again, I don't want to undersell cards athleticism relative to the perception of Fitzpatrick and, and Stafford. I like that comparison a lot. Uh, I, I actually went to high school, graduated the year uh, above Stafford. Um, so I got an up close and personal look at him from um, really his whole his whole high school career. And uh, even when he was coming out of eighth grade, people were talking about that arm. And um, he he was he was something special to watch. I, I, I love that comparison because of just the way he throws a football, the, the, some of the throws that he makes just make you sit back and go, wow. And I think card has that same ability. Like there, he's just his, like Casey Thompson has a very good arm and he can throw the ball very well, but cards arm is just one of those special ones. I think um, not, not necessarily because like, I don't know that he could throw it 90 yards on his knees like Stafford can, <laughs> but, but he puts some zip on the ball and he throws people open and he makes those kinds of throws where it's like, okay, yeah, this is an NFL arm. And I think he has that. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, so, all right, let's kind of change gears real quick, and then we'll, we'll kind of wrap up with this stuff. Uh, let's, let's talk recruiting a little bit before we get out of here. Um, so, 
this week, uh, Amari Abor. Am, am I saying that right? Is it Abor? That's how I say it. Okay, yeah. Amari Abor releases top five. Uh, Texas is in that top five. Um, tell us a little bit about Abor and like in, in what you maybe are hearing about which ways he's leaning and um, just kind of give us a download on him. Yeah, this is a freaky edge rusher. Um, you know, he took a big L this week as modern day, went into Texas and reminded everyone why they're probably the best high school team in the country uh, on Friday. But um, you're just physically impressed with a more first on the hoof, um, you know, big six, three, six, four long arms, just looks like a created player from a pass rushing perspective in this day and age, you know, he's not, he's not 290 pounds, like, like the old school pass rushers, old school defensive ends. But this is much, very much a modern pass rusher. who You could see playing on the edge inside, probably even dropping back. If you have to, he's that athletic SI 99 prospect, uh, a no brainer SI 99 prospect. I think he's uh, in the thirties. So top 50 overall prospect in the country. Uh, and it's a really good class uh, of 2022. So it tells you a lot about why he's being coveted by, by all these programs. Uh, trimmed his list to five, as you mentioned, Texas, right in the thick of it with, with the big boys. I mean, if you, if you were ranking those five teams in perception, Texas would be fifth, uh, clearly fifth. Um, Alabama's in there. Ohio State is in there. A&M is in there. So it's a hotly contested battle. He has visited all these programs, um, but he wants to make visits in the fall. And I think that's a good thing for Texas because going against those four, I think if you commit, if you commit now, it's probably not Texas. Um, so if you, if you impress during games, you show the promise and the trajectory that many expect under Sark, I think you got to punch his chance. And that's really all you could hope for in this type of recruitment. But I think with the recruiter Sark has on staff in the state of Texas, you can stay in this fight, even if on the field doesn't necessarily roll easily. Uh, even if, even if, if, you know, there's, you're a little bit above 500 and the wins aren't piling up. I think you could stay in this fight. You know, he was, he was on the record about the staff. I think when you look at the schools that he has in at LSU um, is one of the others. Um, a lot of it goes to the track record and on field track record at, at that position. You know, um, but with Texas, it's about the trajectory. It's about the excitement and the rebrand. And it's clearly something he believes in at this point, enough to keep Texas in the conversation and then dropping schools like like USC that have a little bit more benefit of the doubt nationally uh, than Texas. So I think that says a lot about the kid. He's obviously a Texan uh, from Duncanville. So so I think that certainly helps. UT's chances, uh, but he believes in Sark. He believes in the trajectory of the program. So just show the flashes. They don't have to be all in the wind column. Show the flashes we think you will show. Get them back to the 40 acres in, in full capacity and, and go from there. And I think you, you've got a legitimate shot. It looks like he wants to take a lot of visits this fall, even though he already took officials. So that tells you that a final decision is several months off. Um, so I think we're looking at that you know, November, December window with this kid, barring a, a change of plans. Uh, all those things line up well for UT. And, and I think you can kind of limp into some good news with, with some of these other programs on the list. 
you know, what if Alabama hits on all their defensive targets up front leading up to it? Same for Ohio State, programs that have bigger classes that may not be able to take a, a big number overall. I mean, you might get a free process of elimination um, with, with one of these other contenders. Uh, now, uh, a team saying no to, to Amari is hard to imagine, but stranger things have happened in recruiting. So as you wait, or in this case, as he waits, you know, a lot of things can happen between now and that final decision. So uh, Texas has a lot going for it in this recruitment, especially because he's not just locked in on the on-field product or who Texas sent to the NFL from his position, which is, I think, a very strong benefit of the doubt for, for any kid looking at, at UT versus the group that he's considering. Yeah, and then there's also another defensive lineman that uh, is – uh, it's been in the news lately for Longhorns, and that's Aaron Bryant. He's out of South Haven, Mississippi, um, and he committed to Texas this past week. Um, if people haven't seen, didn't get to see Hudson Card play in high school at Lake Travis, I'm guessing they didn't get to see Aaron Bryant either in South Haven. Uh, a little bit uh, less high profile over there, uh, but the you know the state of Mississippi has some good talent in it. C- can you tell us a little bit about Aaron Bryant for those who don't really know anything about him? Well, I mean, you don't have to watch the tape long to first identify the kid, right, uh, against the other South Mississippians on the football field. Um, this is a big man. This is a, this is a 6'5", 300-plus pounder uh, who really flashes after the snap as well. Um, nearly 20 stops behind the line of scrimmage last year, and a lot of it is pure sort of motor and, and natural gifts. There's not a lot of technique. His pad level needs to come down dramatically. He doesn't use his length as well as he can or as well as he will in college. So there's considerable work to be done from a technical perspective. But when you're talking natural gifts, height, weight, explosiveness, and then an unnatural gift, desire, all of that is there uh, for Bryant. Uh, really flashes coming downhill one-on-one he just can't be dealt with at the high school level and I think his length creates a pass rushing upside you know you want big physical interior defensive linemen who can help you plug up holes and free up your linebackers to stop the run yes he can be that but I think was with his length and his motor he can actually develop into one of these big pass rushing interior guys which is really ideal those are the guys who can help you uh, collapse the pocket when your your speed edge guys make that quarterback step up. It's guys like Bryant who can clean them up thereafter. Um, and, and we all know Texas has. It's funny to say now, you know, it's going to be an SEC mentality when it comes to building the roster, and it's going to start from the trenches and, and go on out. And you just need guys like this, um, and that that cannot be stated and restated enough. You need big physical want to guys up front. Uh, He carries his 300 plus pounds very well. I don't think he's like a sloppy, lazy type kid. Again, his on-field stuff is going to translate. You know, that motor is going to translate to a high work ethic. It's going to translate to once he digs into the technical aspect, it's going to turn into a, a quick turnaround from raw talent to polished talent in the next couple of years. Uh, and again, at, at this level in the SEC, those are the kind of guys you need. So, and, and here's Texas going into SEC country, right? Mississippi, and you know, Matt, you you know better than me. 
you know, Mississippi is is about as Mississippi, Alabama are are about as SEC as it gets. Um, there's no <laughs> there's no other uh, power five programs in the state and other conferences. There's no college pro or NFL programs in in those states, period. I mean, it is about SEC ball and those prospects grow up dreaming about it. Um, so this is a good sign for Texas geographically as well, which is undervalued in that in that Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana corridor. It's going to be important for Texas to pick and prod in those areas, because like you said, there is there is great talent, especially up front in Mississippi um, and, and the Mississippi defensive line history is really strong, just kids from that state. Um, so definitely not something to overlook, even though it's not necessarily the state of Texas from a volume perspective. If you just look at the top guys, you know, your Fletcher Adams type guys, Mississippi has produced some elite prospects on the defensive line. Now, I'm not saying that Aaron Bryant's going to be that, but he has some of those tools to his advantage. And again, the physicality is there, the motor's there, the desire is there. So once the technique catches up, I think this is a multi-year starter for Texas. Well, John, uh, fantastic stuff as always. Uh, I really appreciate your time and coming on here and talking with us. Um, definitely our favorite guest in our first five episodes. <laughs> Honored, uh, my friend. Honored. <laughs> but we uh, we really appreciate you coming on and uh, tell people where they can find you. Yeah, absolutely. SIAllAmerican.com. All free college football and college basketball recruiting information. Uh, the season is here at the high school level, so we're all over the country checking out the best uh, of the future, the future, you know, Longhorns and Aggies and Crimson Tide and everywhere in between. So check us out, SIAllAmerican.com. And uh, tell us where, tell us which high schools you're going to be watching next. I'm still TBD for this Friday. I think I'm going to South Florida. So I might be in Broward County to see, uh, you know, Dillard and Deerfield Beach. So some national talent coming out of those programs. But yeah, we'll be up in Atlanta soon after that. We're going to go over to Alabama. Hope to make our way to Texas before the season wraps up. So really excited to, to be back on the road in a, you know, relatively normal capacity. So yeah, a lot of football ahead of us. Uh, so yeah, definitely keep an eye out and maybe we'll see you on the road. All right. So that's going to do it for another episode. Um, please make sure to, uh, to go check us out on um, all of our, all of your favorite platforms. We just got on iTunes. Finally. Thank you. Blue wire. Um, so yeah, just go like rate and subscribe and uh, we'll see you next time. Yes, sir. We'll be back. Yes, sir. Bye. Bye. Bye.